All right, so we are in week two of our The Word series. I've been excited about this series for a while. Obviously, it's an exciting series for me because I get to talk about the Word, and I love the Word, and I love teaching, obviously, about the Word from the Word. And so to be able to share these things with you, it's very exciting for me, and I really look forward to it. Last week, we talked about uh, the Word being a lamp and kind of those things. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about the Word in kind of a different way. One of the neat things about this series that I'm kind of excited about is being able to kind of use some of the illustrations that the Word gives about itself and how then we can apply it to our lives. And so again, last week we talked about this concept of, of the Word being a lamp and how it, how it illuminates our path as we walk with it, as we, as we allow it to, to help us, to, to, to lead us and to guide us and direct us. Is that kind of what the lamp does? And this morning we're going to kind of talk about the Word in a slightly different way, but again, a way that it is used to help us. But again, we want to kind of really, really start with the understanding of how we see the Word, how we understand what the word is both as as me as an individual but also as our church and we kind of talked about this last week uh, in more depth we won't spend a ton of time this morning on it but again I think this is really important that you understand and so again for the next couple weeks as we look at this series we're going to go over this we're going to talk about this because I think that honestly if you just really look at some of the things I think the word of God is really under attack right now I think that it has really been, and, and unfortunately, it's been attacked from the world, which is completely, makes complete sense. But it's also, unfortunately, and I can show you clips and, and things, and, and, and it breaks my heart to do it, but also from the pulpit. That the Word of God has been, been looked at in ways that um, really break my heart. And I think also break the heart of the Father. And so I think it's very important that you understand how we understand the Word of God in this church, but also as, as a broader fellowship, as, as the Assemblies of God, how we see the Word of God, how it is a very important part of who we are as a group and as a fellowship and as a denomination. And, and in some ways, I kind of took some of those ideas and concepts and, and kind of brought them down to maybe about three or so sentences to help us really understand what we believe. And again, it's in your notes, but here's what it is. This is the Bible is God's Word to us. It was recorded by human authors under the supernatural direction of the Holy Spirit. It is the supreme source of truth and our rule of faith and conduct. Because it is inspired by God, it is truth without any mixture of error. I've had people my whole life, I'm literally saying my whole life, I remember when I was like in six, you know, six, seven years old in Sunday school and having a kid basically say, I don't believe the Bible's true. I don't believe in those stories. I don't, you know, and I remember even then having these thoughts of like, no, no, God's word is true. God's word is true. We believe that God's word is without error. It is, you know, it's a, my whole life I've had people kind of tell me, no, there's, there's contradictions here and there's contradictions there. You know what? And I've, I've, I've looked at them. I've studied them. I've kind of looked at these things. And I can tell you with, 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 with complete and utter truth, with complete and utter knowing that I've spent literally years of my life looking into these things, that I believe God's word is not, has no errors in it. It is perfect. It is flawless. Scripture says that about itself. We talked about that last week when we kind of talked about this. But I know that, that from my own study, I have looked and I've seen and I've gone, you know, here's, here's, the, you know, here's the top ten of, of contradictions. 
And when you look and you see the context and you understand the deeper understanding of Scripture, and that's not saying that, that I'm special and only I can come up with these things. I believe that you have the ability to do this as well. And I have found over and over and over again that God's word is true. And we can stand on it and believe in it and know that even though, listen, and here's the deal. Because I've heard this too. You may not like what's in God's word, but that doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, I'll be honest, there's times where I'll read some of God's word and I go, oh, wow, God, that, I don't know about that. That's, that's not easy to swallow. That's not easy to, to partake. And I'm not talking about some of the stuff in the Old Testament. I'm talking about some of the stuff that I know I'm not doing the way I should be, you know, handling situations. And then I have to step back and go, wait a minute. Wait a minute, this is truth. This is, this is God's word that we're relying on to help us understand our rule of faith and conduct. And sometimes it's very important, and we're going to talk about this, and I don't want to get into it quite yet, but we need to stop trying to make God's word basically fit into our lives and basically say our lives need to start fitting into God's word. And that's important. So we'll look at that in a minute. But today uh, we're going to look at God's word, and we're going to look at it as it talks about itself in the form of a mirror, as a mirror. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to come and to share it. And God, as we look at these things, God, I pray that you would just give us direction, wisdom, and understanding. Father, if there are individuals here that, that, that as they look at your word, they, they may not be in the same place that, 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 that others are in when it comes to the perfection of God's word. And Father, if they're on that journey, I pray that, God, that you would just continue to, to show them that your word is true. That your word is truth. That they can rely on your word. And that, Father, you would help them in that journey to understand and come to that place. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, and it also be obviously up on the screen, we're going to be in James chapter 1. We're going to look at a portion of scripture that many of you have seen before, read before. Um, James is a great book. We, we actually uh, talked about James several times. If you didn't know, James was written by the half-brother of Jesus. So this is basically a guy that grew up with Jesus, which is always interesting to me. And it's also a guy that for a lot of Jesus' life and his life did not believe that Jesus was who he says he, that he was. And this is a guy that lived with him and experienced him, but he comes to understand and believe and know. And I've always said, listen, uh, if there's ever a person that you can trust to believe, you know, it's, it's, it's a brother. You know what I mean? And so in this situation, Jesus' half-brother James basically is writing this. And James is a lot of times called the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's very helpful in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I've said this before, uh, a lot of times when you read through James, you're going to get your toes stepped on a little bit. James kind of just lays it out and tells you how it is. And, and I like that. I kind of enjoy that about James. But uh, he does that here in James chapter 1. Uh, we're going to look at verses 20 through through 25. This is what it says. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, 
but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And so in this scripture, we see kind of this, this picture that James gives us of a mirror. And he gives us this idea of like, you know, when we look at the word, it, it kind of helps us to see some things. And a mirror is kind of interesting because in a lot of ways, we always, you know, not all of us like what we see a lot of times in the mirror. A lot of times we, we come to the mirror and we look at it and we go, oh, I, I don't necessarily like these things. And, and James basically says, you know, the word kind of does that. It kind of helps us to see some things. So as we kind of talked about last week, where as God's word is perfect, we can trust it to lead us in a lot of ways. This morning, as we understand the concept of this mirror, we can trust God's word is perfect. And so we can trust it to reveal some things. The God's word is a mirror and it reveals some things. Look at Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 says this. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It says, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You realize that that's kind of what... God's word does, it exposes, it reveals, it shows some things in our hearts. And here's the thing about God's word as a mirror. Sometimes when we come to God's word and we begin to look at it, we don't always like what we see. We don't always enjoy those things. And basically James is saying for us that come to the mirror and we look and we don't do what it says. We don't put it into practice what God's word is telling us to do. It's like we kind of look, we see ourselves in the mirror and then we immediately forget what we've seen. But here's the deal. We need to understand what the purpose truly is of a mirror so that we understand in some ways what God's word is trying to do to help us in our journey to become more like Jesus. And so in your notes, I've kind of given you some two purposes of a mirror. You know, these are pretty basic. It's pretty easy to see this, but a lot of times we forget what a mirror's purpose really is. So a mirror's purpose has, has basically two reasons or two purposes for being. Number one, it's to reflect what is actually in front of it, okay? It reflects what is actually there. Now, when I talk about actually there, you're gonna see why later on in the message that that matters, okay? So it reflects what's actually there, okay? Not what's been messed with or altered, but what's actually there. And secondly, it's to reveal what is there. It's to reflect and to reveal. And in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews really kind of hits on that, where basically they say that the word of God really exposes some things in us. It really reveals some things to us about our lives, about how we're living, and about these things. And unfortunately, uh, when you look at James, when you kind of begin to study what James was saying here, I, I, I kind of went back and I was looking at some, um, some commentaries that I typically use when I look at some of the scriptures that, that we talk about. And, and one of the things that kind of came up in a several of these that I was looking at was they really believe that, that when you kind of understand the way James was writing and kind of how he's written uh, throughout his, his book and especially when he focused in on basically 22 through 25, some of the words that he was using in the original Greek, really kind of give us this idea um, that basically what James was saying was a little bit even deeper than what we understand today. So basically what we've seen is this, it's kind of, he says God's word is kind of a mirror. We go to the mirror, we look at ourselves, and then we leave and we forget what we look like. 
But what a lot of these guys were saying was that it was even a little deeper than that. It was almost like the person that was going to the mirror already had in their mind what they were going to see. So it was more than just this idea of going and forgetting. It was going to God's word in a way that says, I already know best. And I've seen this over and over and over again in my own life and in the life of of people that I've ministered to. It's like they have a situation or a circumstance, or a lot of times it's this, it's they want to justify a particular action in their life, okay? So they're they're doing something, and, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is, this is how it's supposed to work, folks, they have conviction, The Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't bring condemnation, that's from the enemy, that's from the shame and guilt, that's all from the enemy. But the Holy Spirit will bring conviction into our hearts and our lives to help us deal with some of these issues, we'll talk about that in a minute. And basically we'll be drawn to those things, and I found people basically say, okay, I'm dealing with this conviction in my heart, and so they know what they want to do, and they go to God's word to justify their actions. And when it's not there, they typically will say, well, I I can either do it on my own or make my own decisions on that. Or they basically will refuse to believe it. So basically, it's more than just this idea of seeing and forgetting. It's the idea of coming with a preconceived, already your mind's made up situation and not heeding what God's word is saying. That's dangerous. And we do that a lot in our world, in our life. And listen, when we do that, what we basically said is, you know what, God? You're not the Lord of my life. I'm the Lord of my life. I get to choose what's right and wrong. And God, when your word backs up what I want to do, then it's cool and we're good to go. But if it comes to the place where what I want to do is in contrary, is is in conflict with what your word says, I'm choosing me. At that moment, we forget what God's word really is. That it is that truth. It is our supreme uh, truth when it comes to our faith and our conduct. And James here is really hitting some on some deep things because here's the thing. A lot of us will go to God's word and we'll look at it and we'll see it. It's not just about not doing it. It's about, are we going to be willing to make the change that God's word is basically commanding or asking us to do? So this is deeper than just the idea of forgetting. Because a lot of times we read this scripture, oh, I forgot. No, 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 this is deeper. And sometimes we need to understand that. So as James helps us understand that, James basically tells us of two types of responses that people have when they look into the mirror of God's word. So we're going to look at two responses this morning that happen. So the first thing that you can do, you can respond with hypocrisy. You can respond with hypocrisy. Look at James 1, 23 through 24. This is, again, this is what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know what that word really, hypocrisy, and I know most of you have heard this before, but it really talks about, and really when you go back to the original Greek of that word where we get the word hypocrisy from, it really is this idea of putting on a mask. 
without is very interesting here. Because in some ways, you know, how do, how do, we, how do we change our appearance? Well, we put on masks. We, we, we think we can fool people or fool situations. Um, and we put on these masks and we respond sometimes to God's word with that idea. Well, if I just put on this mask, then I look something different. Or I don't have to do necessarily what it says. And that's a big, big problem. I went uh, last evening. I had a great time. Um, Paul and I went down to the high school boys and girls high school um, basketball championships of the world, or at least of Colorado. And it was great fun. And we I done that I went last year with him, had a good time, went again this year. And it's really great because, you know, you're down in the big old arena and it's the fi- you know, we went to the finals. And so the kids were really, they were awesome and they were doing really good and playing basketball. And I'm horrible at basketball, so it's always cool to see all the, you know, you know they can dunk and all that crazy stuff. But one of the things that's also neat about it is not only all the parents there, but all the, a lot of the students come down. And so the students are all there, you know, and as, as, a, as an old youth pastor at heart, you know, it's like there's like these moments where I'm like, oh, I miss youth pastoring so much. And then I like see the kids and I'm like, oh, wow, I, I would be a horrible youth pastor now, you know, kind of a thing, you know. And so we're there, and, and, and of course, you know, it's kids, and they're having great fun. And so we're, we're, the bands are having, you know, going off. And so I'm looking over, you know, at the student sections, and of course, they're chanting at each other, and, you know, they're separated, thankfully, you know. And, and it's always interesting to me because I remember those days, you know, and, and it's fairly similar to when I was a kid, except major, major, you know, really one major difference, and that is that during this time, a lot of kids have phones in their hands. And I remember looking down and the kids are doing these, these chants, you know, and they're jumping up and down, they're cheering for their schools. And as I'm watching this, I'm literally seeing out of maybe 150 kids, 100 of them literally have their phones out like this. And they're videotaping or doing, you know, they're having a great time and they're videotaping themselves doing this, you know. And I'm thinking, oh man, that's, that's crazy, you know. And I always feel like, you know, it's like, are they, what are they going to do with that? You know, are they going to post it online? Are they going to keep it forever? I don't know. But, you know, it's interesting is, is a lot of us, when it comes to our phones, we kind of forget about this. We really have mirrors with us now all the time. I don't know how many of you have done this. I'm sure most of you have. You know, you probably don't want to admit it. But, you know, you get your phone out. You want to make, how do I look? And you turn your, your, your camera around. And you do this. And you have your phone out. You know, you make sure your hair looks good, you know, you look at it, make sure, okay, you know, you kind of do all these. But, but we've taken that one step further. You know, now we have our filters on there, don't we? You know, you can go out and get your app, you know, and it's going to do all these things. And so, you know, you get your phone out and you look at yourself at your mirror and you go, hmm, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe little bags under my eyes. Well, hold on, I'll just take that guy. I'll do that. No, not on my face, really. I'll have to do that on the phone, you know. And get okay, there you go. And, you know, I, you know today, today, you know, I kind of got kind of bluish eyes. But you know what? Green. Oh, it, it's St. Patrick's Day coming up. You know, some green eyes would be really, really stunning. And so, you know, you go in, you adjust the filter, and you turn your eyes green. And then the next day, maybe you turn them brown. And maybe the next day, you turn one green and one brown, you know, or whatever. And you begin to play with all these filters in your life trying to manipulate what you see. And a lot of times, unfortunately, we've taken that and we've used it in the same way of God's word. 
And we've basically said, you know what, I, I, need to, I need to change this. I need to hide this. I need to deal with this. And a lot of this happens a lot of times in churches. We don't come to the church understanding that God says in, in a lot of ways, Jesus said, you know, it, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. And, and listen, I'm going to be real honest with you. If, if you don't understand that there are going to be times in your heart and your life that spiritually speaking, you're sick and you need a doctor, um, you're missing it. I'm serious. You're missing it. You know, and, and, you know, Jesus is the great physician for lots of things. And I don't know about you, but, but, but there's something about going to the great physician and letting him do some healing in our hearts. That's big. And it, it really is hard. It's frustrating in my own life and in, in people's lives that I love when I'm going, you know what? There's some healing that God wants to do. But you think that you come to God's word and you can put your little filter on and you can fool everybody. You know what? You may fool everybody, but you're not fooling God. And we take those filters and we try to use them. And, and in that way, we kind of become a hypocrite instead of allowing God to be truthful and, and allow God's word to show and reveal in our own life some areas that God wants to heal, some areas that God wants to help, some areas that God wants to make us more like him. And instead, we, we put on our filter and we think that everybody else will see something different. Listen, it's in your notes. Filters, and, you know, they're, they're effective, but they're not effective in the way that we need them to be. Filters will allow you to fascinate others and flatter yourself without facing the problem. Okay? Without facing the problem. You see, a mirror reflects what's there. But when you begin to try to put on those filters... You're, gonna, you're not dealing with the issues that are there. Okay, listen, you've heard me say this. Trust me, as long as I am alive and in, and in this place, you will hear me say it. We love to deal with symptoms and not diseases in our spiritual walk. And here's what I've learned about the healing of Jesus in the physical sense. Because when Jesus heals in the physical sense, hear me, he wants to give you a picture of what he can do and does do in the spiritual sense. Okay? When Jesus deals with sickness in the physical sense, he never deals with symptoms. He deals with diseases. Do you understand? When he comes and the leopard throws himself and says, if you're willing, you can heal me. If you're willing, you can do that. He doesn't look at the sores that are destroying that man's body and heal the sores that are visible on the outside, but leave the disease that will just cause them to come back again. Jesus deals with the complete healing of the man in his life. He deals with the leprosy, not the sores. And a lot of times when we look at God's word, we just say, God, will you just deal with the sores? Will you just deal with the stuff that's on the outside? Because you know what, God, I got some people I got to fool. And God says, no, no, I have something more for you than that. I know that your sores are there, and I hurt with you with your sores. But trust me, if I just heal the sores, if you just put on a mask, if you come to my word and you try to put filters on it, you're going to miss the deep healing, the deep restoration, the deep wholeness that God's word wants to provide for you through his son. You got to stop. Stop saying, you know, I got to just worry about all this stuff and start worrying about your heart. 
But that's happened so often. And I've also heard this when it comes to God's word. You know, you know actually, my wife and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago, how so many people, man, they, they read God's word and they go, man, oh, isn't this great? Oh, it's such, it's such, it's such a great way to live. You know, isn't it? And Jesus, Jesus taught some really great things, didn't he? And then they go off and they kind of do their own thing and they kind of keep their own situation. In a lot of ways, they kind of come to God's word and they, again, they kind of look at it in the mirror and they go, oh, isn't that, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Yes, isn't it? Isn't, isn't the golden rule nice? Treat others as you want to be treated. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, isn't that beautiful? But there's something, and then it, and then it stops. You know what I mean? It stops there. I put this in your notes because I think it's so important. Because I, I, I'm starting to see this happen a lot. And, and I'm saying this specifically, hear me, to our Christians, or to, you know, to brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? There's a great danger of only being charmed by the Word of God, and that is that it prevents us or prohibits us from being changed by the Word of God. Listen, God didn't give you His Word to charm you. Now, is it amazing? Yes. When I read it, do I get excited? Yes. But it's there to bring forth life change in your heart and your life. It is a mirror that is there to reflect what is there so that God can help you bring about the change in your heart and your life that you need to have. But unfortunately, so many of us, we respond in hypocrisy. We put on that mask and act like everything's fine. So we can respond that way, but we can also respond with honesty. We can respond with honesty. Look at James 1.25 now. It says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this. Okay? It's interesting here. We see this idea. It's, it's not just one time. I mean, this is a continuation. This is a habit. This is something that we do a lot. Who continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it he will be blessed in what he does. Okay? He'll be blessed in what he does. We're going to talk about this verse in a little bit more here in just a minute, but I, I, you know, as far as that ending part, but I want you to kind of understand a little bit here uh, as you kind of go back and understand what James is writing here. Um, when you see the words, look intently, okay? And this is in your notes, so you know, I'm not going to say anything that you, you don't see. Basically, look intently has a a word in the Greek that we need to really understand. Because I, I want you to get the picture of what James is really helping you to see. So, so let's do this. Let's look at our notes and then we'll I'll kind of get, dive into it a little more. It says the words look intently is one word in the original Greek. It's, it's a parkuta. And it means to bend down to, or stoop to look at something carefully. Okay. So when you see that translation, you know, basically look intently, that's the word in the Greek that was there. What that word basically is giving you the picture of is this concept of basically looking down, getting low and seeing something close up. Okay? So the picture that James is saying, when you want to talk about somebody that looks at the mirror honestly, it's not someone who sees the mirror far off and stays far away from it. Because here's the thing, no matter how good eyes you got, there's going to be things you're not going to be able to see. 
What James is asking us to do, what James is telling us to do, is when it comes to God's word, is to grab it, get that mirror really close. And you know what? I don't know about you, but you know, physically doing that, that ain't pretty. You know, way back, you know, okay, you know, you, you kind of, all right, you know. But the closer you get, man, you start to see the blemishes. You start to see the problems. You start to see the scars. You start to see all the stuff that becomes close. But at the same time, that's what James is asking us to do. He's literally saying, basically, stop trying to see the mirror of God's word from a distance. But instead, grab it close. Pull it close to you and allow, really look deeply into what it is saying. And what it is revealing about who God is, but also where you are at in your spiritual life what you're doing how you're handling things look deeply get close examine those things and then he says listen if you'll do that and you'll do that continuously if you'll continue to move in that direction if you'll spend time with the mirror quote unquote of God's word looking close and and look okay I, I got areas here that that God wants to help me out there there's situations here you know forget the filters forget the things let's see what's really there at that moment in those times when we do those things when we hear it and do those things he said the person that does that will be blessed in what he does now, I want to give you a very visible, visible expression of what this means. Because I think this is a massive issue that we, all of us, can make a mistake on. And all of us probably have in, in one time or another, okay? And to do this, I'm actually going to take, and I'm going to try not to, let's see, let me put this here so I don't lose my, now nah, I better leave that. Okay, I'm going to lose my place, but I think it'll be okay. So, I have, I brought, I brought my big Bible my NIV, study Bible, because it's just bigger, a lot more um, study parts in it. And so, because I want you to see this. So, so what, what, when he talks about this concept of, of doing these things, he's really talking about a concept in some ways also of the idea of authority, okay? You know, what, what really has authority in your life, okay? And what we need to understand about God's word is we need to understand that, it, and, and also kind of going into that idea of kind of stooping down, kind of getting down to see. In a lot of ways, what I think we're seeing here is he's basically helping us see that we need to basically allow God's word to be the authority over us, okay? So that what we have is God's word is authority over us, okay? But at the same time, because it is over us, we also then allow it to, and I'm not going to do this, but uh, we also then can stand on it. We stand on the promises of God, okay? So we allow the word to be over us as an authority over us, but at the same time, we, because we allow God's word to be the authority over us, then we can stand on God's promises, okay? Unfortunately, what a lot of us tend to do is we want to stand in authority over God's word and then expect God's promises to pour down on us. Now, visually, if you will notice, I don't know if that can work visually and physically, and I know it doesn't work spiritually. So let's go over it again. Our job is to allow God's word to be over us 
So therefore, God's blessing and his promises can flow down onto us. When we decide that we are going to be the authority over God's word, and we stand on that and say basically, so now we're standing over God's word. I'm now the authority. It doesn't matter what God's word says. It doesn't matter what the mirror says. What matters is what I say and what I think needs to happen and how I want to live my life. And then we sit there and we say, okay, God, now I want your promises. Now I want your blessings. But guess what? It's not going to work. Because the word isn't where it needs to be in our heart and in our lives. And so many of us want to do that. Listen, it's in your your notes. God's word is authority over us and we stand on the promises of God. We get in trouble when we want to take stand, when we want to stand in authority over it and expect it to work like a faucet and just shower us with blessings. It doesn't work like that. You know, a lot of times you talk about errors in Scripture. Well, this happened, blah, 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 and the Word says this, and it didn't happen. Therefore, the Word is not true. No, 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 you don't understand. What you're doing in that moment is you're standing over in authority over God's Word, and therefore the blessings and the promises of God's Word cannot come. We've talked about this a lot recently. I don't know why God's maybe put it on my heart a lot, but, but this idea of God's conditional promises. If you do this, I will do this. You know, there's some promises that God says, I'm going to do it whether you do it or not. But there are other promises in God's words where he says, if you do this, I will do this. And when we say, you know what, God, I'm going to stand under that authority in every area. When you say go right, I'm going to go right. When you say this is truth, I'm going to believe that it's true. When you say this is wrong, I'm going to believe that it's wrong. When we do that, guess what? The promises come. But if you stand over it, and expect the promises to come, they never will. And it's so important that we do that. It's why we have to look at God's word in a lot of ways with that honesty, because when we do that, we understand where our authority really lies. And where that is is so important because it can change so many areas of our hearts and our lives because God wants to bring those things into your life. God wants to do those things in you. But you know what? There is a portion of it where we have to be willing to come to the mirror, get down close to it, and say, okay, God, what in my life doesn't honor you? What am I doing? How am I living that is in contradiction to what your word says? And listen, notice that I did not say what your pastor said or what your grandmother said. I'm sure you have a wonderful grandmother, but she's not God's word. And I'm sure hopefully, hopefully you have a good pastor who does the very best he can to, to bring you God's word in a truthful, honest way. But you know what? I'm not God's word either. It's why you have to be willing to get down close and see God's word and expect it and spend that time and say, you know what, God, if there's anything in me, that is contrary in my life to what you says. God, I pray that when I come to your word, you would reveal those things to me, just like a mirror would reveal those things. Not so that I can sit there and go, wow, look how horrible I am, but so that I can allow you to bring forth the lasting life change in my heart that you want to bring. Again, not condemnation, but conviction. Conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to help us understand 
more about who he wants to transform us into being. As we close this this morning, I also kind of want to shift gears just slightly and kind of move into a little bit more of a teaching thing that I really feel is important. Because it's interesting here that when James writes this, he uses something interesting. You know, and the context of this is obviously God's word. We see that. He says, anybody looks into the word. But, but then in verse 25, as we read just a few minutes ago, we won't read it again. He says these words. He says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. What is this about? You know, and it's real easy to go, okay, well, it's God's word, context, I get that. But I think there's something a little bit deeper here that we want to explore as we kind of bring all this to a close. So in your notes, it basically says, you know, what is this perfect law that gives freedom? Now, you have to remember the context and the writer of, of James and things like that. This is a Jewish man. This is a Jewish man who, who in a lot of ways had more of the Old Testament memorized than probably all of us together in this room. So he had a very deep understanding of what, what we call now, and they would call even then, the law. Okay? But he doesn't call the word, the law here, he takes it to a little bit deeper of a place. He calls it the perfect law, and then he talks about this perfect law that brings freedom, okay? So again, we're going to move into a little bit of our teaching time to help us really put a bow on this idea of God's word as a mirror and all these sorts of things and really kind of what this means. Now, in the law, and we need to understand this, Paul writes about it a lot in Romans, we'll actually be in Romans in just a minute. We have this idea and this concept of law. Okay, now here's the thing. In a lot of ways, the law is a perfect illustration of a mirror. But you need to understand something about the law. Now, when I say again, I talk about the law here. If this will help you simplify some things, okay, well, let's just simply talk about the Ten Commandments, okay? Those Ten Commandments don't lie, don't cheat, you know, don't, don't you know, cheat on your wife, don't do all those, you know, love your God, all the, you know them, okay? That's the law. The law especially, and we see this again, wrote in a lot in the book of, of Romans, the law was never intended to save you. One of the major mistakes that the Pharisees made was they didn't understand what the purpose of the law really was. The purpose of the law was simply to show you that you have fallen short. Because here's the deal. Why did I say, let's just use the Ten Commandments? Well, first of all, it's easy. We know them all pretty much. And we all know that every single one of us have broken at least one of them at least one time. You stole a paperclip. You said something you shouldn't have said. Instead of making God the first in your life, you put others or other things in front of God. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short. The law was purposeful in the way that it basically showed you that you needed a Savior. It showed you that you didn't measure up. And what began to happen in the people's worlds and in their lives, and you still see this today, especially and all over the place, is this concept, well, if I'm just good enough, if I can just follow the law long enough and more perfectly, well, then I will receive something great. In a lot of ways, every major religion in this world, besides Christianity, preach this type of message. If you just do it right long enough, then you'll reach this place, or you'll come to this level, or when you die, you'll get all of these things. The law was never, ever, ever 
given to us to save you. And so in this, what is this perfect law? Because he doesn't use the word law. He uses perfect law. And look, I know this is some length, but I put them in your notes so you'd have this. Take this home and keep it with you. So again, let me explain to you what's happening here. A little more teaching. It says the law, which in this context stands for the word of God in general. Okay, so in all of it is a perfect reflection of the character and the demands of a holy God. Okay, it's not just his character, but the demands. Basically, what he commands you and I to live and be, and in that, ways that we've all fallen short. The idea of the perfect law is that, uh, that of the consummate soundness, wholeness, completeness, finished, reaching its end, wanting nothing. It is God's final word, and it is complete. Now, I'm going to stop here, even though I, 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 I could have made this longer, but I stopped here. I want to stop here for a reason. He is talking about the law, but now he, or he's talking about the idea of the perfect law, but when is he writing his letter? Jesus has come. Jesus has died. Jesus has rose again. This is major. So not only is this law, which in a lot of ways, when you talk about the law, you could talk about everything I've just read. To an extent. But when you add the perfect law, it embodied the full revelation of God in Jesus Christ. The law was never meant to save you. The perfect law, who is represented in what Jesus has done for you, is. That's what brings freedom. Listen, when you go back and you look at the, the, the Gospels and you look at the Pharisees and you look at the way they lived and you look at the way they required others to live, you know what word I would never use? Freedom. You, listen, you can have spiritual bondage in, in basically trying works just as easily as any spirit, other spiritual bondage you may encounter in your life. And it was so much of a bondage to those people that literally the Son of God was two feet from them and they didn't understand it or see it. That's the type of bondage that they were in. But here's the deal. This perfect law that is embodied in what Jesus is, what Jesus has done, that brings freedom. Now look, because let's continue. It says, then by referring to the word as the law that gives freedom... James focuses on the redemptive power in freeing believers from the bondage of sin and then freeing them to righteous obedience. It allows us to serve God not out of fear or a mere sense of duty, but out of gratitude and love. How do you know? You come to me, Aaron, Aaron, am I living under the law or am I living under this perfect law that brings freedom? I would ask you a simple question. Do you love God because of what you are going to get from him or what he's going to prevent you from experiencing? Or do you love him 
because of who he is and what he has done for you. And so therefore, you don't do it out of fear of not wanting to go to hell or not wanting to be a bad person or not. But instead, you do it out of a sense of how much you are so thankful and you are in so much in love with what he has, who he is and what he has done. There's a big difference here. That's freedom. That's freedom. Look at John 8, 31, and it's found in Jesus. Look what he says even about himself. John 8, 8, 31 through 32, and then we're going to jump to 34 through 36. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now let's continue. Look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Bondage. Bondage. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In John 8, Jesus takes this idea of the word. And as we see in John 1, where Jesus is called the Word, he says, listen, if you will take the Word, if you will abide with me and you will abide in the Word, I'm going to bring forth that freedom. James, in his, in his letter, basically says the same thing. Listen, it's not about the law. The law is not perfect. The law basically shows you all your issues and all the stuff. But you know what? Jesus came, and he was the perfect person that came and brought forth the freedom. Because in that, the law became perfect. Not because of all the things that happened before, but because of all that Jesus has done and will do for us. Paul, once again, helps us see that in Romans 8. Look at Romans 8, 1 through 4. It says, and so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And listen to what he says. He says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses, and this is big, this is that law we talked about. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So what God did, so God did what the law could not do. He could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Now let's go back to James. Let's go back and let's see what he's saying now as we really begin to understand a little bit deeper. It says, but the law, it says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law. What is James saying here now that we really have a deeper understanding? Yes, yes, James is saying we look deeply into God's word. But he's also saying we look deeply into Jesus. What is our best way to do that? God's word. How do we want to understand a deep 
understanding more and more and more and more and more about Jesus, we look deeply into his word. And here's what's interesting. When we do that, it brings freedom. It brings blessing. In that moment, we stop standing over God's word and instead we allow God's word its place in our hearts and our lives. So it's more than just a concept of understanding a desire for God's word. It's a big part of it, don't misunderstand me. But it's also a deep desire for Jesus. Because listen, without Jesus, without what he has done, the mirror won't change much. But with Jesus, it can change everything. It can literally change death into life. It can change disease into health. It can change hopelessness into hope. But without Jesus, without that perfect law, the law is not enough. You see, as we look at the word as a mirror, we need to understand that. It always goes back to Jesus. And when we allow him to help us and change us in our hearts and our lives, everything happens in an amazing, amazing transformation. So you have to understand it's not just the mirror of God's word. Yes, that reveals and yes, that reflects. But then we have to allow the literal word of God in Jesus Christ to change us and help us to take what God's word says and put it into practice. I'm going to close with this. And if you would, just bow your heads and let's, let's close. But I, I kind of want to help you see this in a little different way. A lot of us, it, we've just, you know, obviously it's, it was a couple months ago. But, you know, as you kind of start the new year, a lot of times people will, will take kind of inventory of their physical health. You know, pretty typical, pretty normal. And a lot of us will, will come and we'll, we'll go and maybe we'll stand in front of a mirror. You know, no more filters, no more things. And we'll look and we'll go, boy, you know, I, I really should do this. Or I should, I should uh, have this situation. Or I should maybe, you know, do something and to, to, to deal with what I see. And we kind of understand that. And then, unfortunately, what tends to happen in, is, is, is in the story is basically we, we leave. And we go about our day and we kind of do our own thing. And we, we get back up the next morning. And we come and we stand in front of the mirror. And we go, yep, I really need to do this. I really need to, I really need to let this happen. I really, I, yep, yep, I see it. I, it's clear to me. I need to do this. And then we go back and we spend our day doing our own thing. And we don't do the things that we need to do that we need, you know, to help us. And then we get up the next day and we come up and we stand in front of the mirror. And once again, we look at the mirror and we go, okay, there it is. Yes, I need to do this and I need to do that. And, and we just do that over and over and over again. You know what? Physically speaking, nothing is going to change in the mirror. There is one thing, and this is kind of what James was helping us see. It's not just about realizing that there are issues that God wants to change in you. It's not just about realizing, yeah, there's some deep hurt here, and I need to get that taken care of, and then going about your day. 
the mirror's purpose, the law's purpose, was to help you realize the issues. What Jesus then comes to do is that when you step away from the mirror, he wants to help you to change areas of your life so that you're changed, so that when you go back to the mirror, what you see has been changed by the power and the person of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, there have been times where you know what? It's very clear in the mirror through God's word, areas that I need to adjust and change. But you know what? Then I leave the mirror and I go and I do my own thing. I don't allow the change that needs to take place away from the mirror to take place away from the mirror. When I was in college, my roommate liked to go and he liked to lift weights. And afterwards, he would come back and I've maybe talked about this before because it just made me laugh every time he did it. But he would stand in front of the mirror and he'd call it pose and praise. And he would sit there and he'd flex. And he'd go, oh, yeah, you're getting stronger. Oh, yeah, it's really helping you. Oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You know, and, 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 and he was. He was getting bigger. He was getting stronger. But you know what? It didn't matter what the mirror said if he wasn't willing to go down to the gym and lift weights. Some of us know very clearly, we have a lot of information about what God's word says, what's right, what's wrong, and all those things. We understand God's word as a mirror, but unfortunately, we're not allowing time with Jesus to transform us so that when we go back to the mirror, we see life change. We see something different. And I believe very strongly that what Jesus wants us to do is obviously know his word deeper, obviously understand more about him. Don't misunderstand me. But at the same time, to let the mirror be what the mirror needs to be and let Jesus be what he needs to be. And that is somebody that changes everything in our hearts and our lives when we come to him and live differently. Don't be that person that just goes and sees it, as James says, and doesn't allow it to change you. Doesn't allow it to change your lifestyle. Doesn't allow it to change your heart. Because otherwise, in a lot of ways, you're just that person that forgets. You forget what God's word has said, but more importantly, you have forgotten the power that Jesus has to change a heart and change a life. So many of us, maybe a long time ago, we asked Jesus to come in and change everything. To bring us from death into life. I mean, what an unbelievable miracle that is. What an unbelievable work of God that only he could do in us. And then for some crazy reason, we spend the rest of our life thinking that God can't do lesser things in us and through us. 
God brought us from death into life. And yet we go, God will never heal that relationship. God will never heal that, that hurt in my heart. He brought you from death to life. Trust me, he can handle everything else. And so many of us, we read that scriptures and we see those things, but at the same time, we allow the mirror just to reflect and we don't allow Jesus to change what's in the mirror. And so this morning, obviously, fathers, we come to you in prayer. God, we desire for a deeper understanding of your word. We desire that your word would, would, would penetrate our hearts and help us to see things. We, we desire to hide your word in our hearts. This is not about not doing those things. We need those things. But, but God, if, if your word is true and your word is a mirror, your word in a lot of ways reveals what's there. But Jesus, you are also the word and you can change what's there. And you can help us as we partner with you to become more like you. And just like everything goes back again, how do we know what that is? How do we know what that desire is that you have for our hearts and our lives? We go back to your word to find out. It's just amazing, God, how everything you do just connects in so many unbelievable ways. And so, God, I pray that for each of us, Yes, we would desire your word. We would, we would, we would look into it and, and allow it to, 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 to that knowledge. But at the same time, we would also allow it to change us through the work and the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. So God, I pray that you would allow both to work hand in hand as we come to your word and allow it to reveal things in our lives and in our hearts that are exactly what you want, but also, God, things that you desire to help us with. God, you love us, and you desire to do great things in us and through us. And so, God, we do ask that you would do these things. You're awesome. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, listen, I hope that you have an awesome week. I hope that you spend a lot of time allowing God's word to show you areas of your life that, that God wants to, to help you walk in. And, 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 and some of those are awesome because he wants to help you to do even better in some areas, but also in those areas that maybe there's some things that God wants to say, hey, you know, I want to I help you in this. I want to partner with you in this to bring about a new level of closeness and a new level of, of us being more and more like Jesus. You know, let's open our hearts to that this week and allow him to do that in us and through us, all right? Awesome. Have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.